0: Welcome back to the second episode of our coverage of season two of Legion of Superheroes and Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We are Uncanny Treks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Matt, how the hell are you doing tonight?
1: Doing pretty well, Bob. We'll have another episode that goes along with this called uh, Ad Astra something. Just
0: Ad Astra in the movie. Ad Astra, yeah. You made me watch the movie film and it was pretty good. Uh, I, th- I I thought I had detected a fair bit of resentment in the notes. So no, uh, no, yeah. it had absolutely nothing to do with this episode, really. But yeah, well, you know, uh, other than sharing a title, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all about thin pretext here on Uncanny uh, on Tracks, man. So, uh, yeah, tonight we're talking uh, the second episodes of Legion of Superheroes Season 2 and Strange New World Season 2. That's Man from the Edge of Tomorrow, originally aired on the 29th of September, 2007. And Ad Astra per Aspera, which uh, means to the stars through hardship, or uh, more poetically, to the stars through the thorns, which originally aired on the 22nd of June, 2023. And then check in our uh, soon-to-be coverage of the movie Ad Astra from, I think that was 2019. Do you want to walk us through the A-plot of uh, Man from the Edge of Tomorrow, Part 2? Sure, Bob. Superboy X and the Legion
1: arrive in the 31st century to find that the Fatal Four and Legion of Supervillains, minus Lightning Lord, have besieged other Legionnaires. Then they summon the original Superman to help them free yet more
0: Legionnaires that
1: the combined villain team imprisoned on Takron
0: Galtos. Yeah, yeah. And then in the B plot, we have Imperiax, the villain from the 41st century, uh, hacks Computo, Brainiac's computer system for the Legion. He gains access to Legion data and equipment, and Imperiax recruits the other member of the Fatal Five, Validus, as his henchman, and makes a surprise last minute alliance with the Dominators.
1: Yeah, I really feel like Imperiax has a legit plan, unlike most of the uh, the bad guys we usually see on these shows.
0: Yeah, yeah. We are moving to more of like a kind of ongoing story. Like I, in my memory, I think the episodes are still kind of episodic. I mean, this is a two-parter, obviously, but I think they're more episodic from here on out. But still, there's this kind of overarching story of the Legion versus Imperiax, right? Yeah, I really felt like they did
1: Imperiax on the, uh, the light in Young Justice. <laughs> no, no, they d- he could get their shit together. <laughs> no, no, they don't. They don't. The the lights got many plans. They don't need Imperia X. <laughs> He's like hacking up 41st century, 31st century, probably going to go do the 21st century next. I don't know.
0: Well, so if people want to hear our opinions on the light, they should uh, subscribe on Patreon and uh, listen to our coverage of X-Men 92 and Young Justice. Or then they can even watch. I think it's like the first seven episodes are out for free now. Something like that. Yeah, but. You know, available on Patreon.com. But that being said, Matt, you remember how when we first saw the light, they were just faces on computer screens. Yes. You remember how narrow those computer screens were? Oh yeah, very narrow. Do you think Imperiex could fit in one of those computer screens? No, no. <laughs> well,
1: that's the issue, Bob. You're right. That that's the reason we can't have Imperiex as the uh, one of the light members of the light. Yeah, also he kind of sucks.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, he's no Clarion, the Witch Boy, Matt. I don't know. He's pretty badass. I have to admit, he's just tearing up things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's effective, but he kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, so, Matt, I do have to say, if there's any Legionnaire that it's kind of stupid to have trapped under rubble, it would have to be Phantom Girl.
1: Yeah, I didn't understand. that They weren't thinking that one through at all. She could just phase through the rubble. To get me, <sighs> give me a damn break.
0: Would you believe me if I told you this was a reoccurring problem from Phantom Girl? If I. If I remember right, in 2012 they killed her off by having a bunch of rubble fall on her.
1: Why? What, what is that like a <laughs> is it a funny thing now, or is it just is that legit?
0: I think in this cartoon it's a convenience and they didn't think about it any. If I remember right, she dies at the end of the new 52 Legion comic, oh. which was not good. And it seemed like everybody involved was bored and exhausted. Bitch, all you had to say was New 52. I think if I remember right, she dies in like the last issue of it. And then the Legion goes away for like five years. Okay, And then gets brought back in like a rebooted form. So, you know, that that particular Legion never addressed again. Gotcha. Okay, So, yeah, New 52 is basically the Snyderverse. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, they're they're actually, the more I think about it, Zack Snyder and the New 52 were a match made in heaven. There was a lot of commonalities there. Yeah, and they both got canceled, so. Yes, thank God, thank God. Um, All right, Matt, so did you remember the Legion of Supervillains, a.k.a. the Lightspeed Vanguard from our first season?
1: Uh, Sadly, yes, I remembered most of them. They all look like Ninja Turtle villains.
0: I don't, did you hate them last season? I didn't think you hated them last season.
1: No, I didn't. I'm just saying, sadly, I remembered all of them because I'm looking at them like, oh, wow, this is like knowledge in my brain. I know who these people are. Okay. There's Tyr with his gun. Damn it. Remember that guy? Yeah. Can't remember my own cousins, but I
0: know Tyr. His bionic gun, Matt. His bionic gun. (laughs) So, just to run it down for uh, the rest of uh, the listeners who love their families and are not cursed with Matt's knowledge, we have Esper, who's the telepath. We have Tyr, who Matt mentioned. We have Hunter. We have Wave, who was originally called Spider Girl, and then we have Ron Carr, who flattens his body. Matt, did you notice somebody was missing? The Lightning Lord guy. Yeah, yeah, he's missing, which I, I say thank God because I I, I like the other uh, LSVers last season, but I never much cared for Lightning Lord. Well, that really just shows
1: the difference in tone of this season. Because remember, like in the first season, weren't these the
0: one weren't these the guys who were like tearing up the Olympic thing? What you're remembering is Lightning Lord was in the Space Olympics. And then in a later episode, he joins the LSV, and they're pretending to be mercenary heroes under the name Lightspeed Vanguard.
1: That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I do remember yeah. Lightning Lord participating in the Olympics part. That's what I was getting yeah. at. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's what you're getting at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Like in the first season, Lightning Lad was the most important character of the Legion, probably besides Superman. And or Superboy, and then you know, so Lightning Lord was like the most important villain of the uh, of the season, and now he's just not even there.
1: Yeah, Lightning Lad also is more like a a mopey kind of dude this season, like a loner.
0: Yeah, yeah, and definitely much, much less important because you have two Super Boys and you, and Brainiac Five are both vastly more important than he is this season. Speaking of people being gone, uh, not to be mean, but I was kind of glad that Cosmic Boy and Colossal Boy are out of action. I've uh, I've never much cared for either of them to be honest.
1: Yeah, I guess we can have better adventures without them because this is a Cosmic Boy basically Magneto, isn't that right?
0: Yeah, pretty much Magneto yeah. with the personality of Cyclops. And Colossal Boy is Giant Man. Yes, although he predates Giant Man and Cosmic Boy predates Magneto, to be fair.
1: iPhones came out after the other phones, but they're still way better. So that's why I just call a phone an iPhone.
0: Um, I will give you that Magneto is way better than Cosmic Boy. I will not give you that Giant Man is way better than Colossal Boy. Colossal Boy (laughs) never beat his (laughs) wife, Matt.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right.
0: Damn, Bob. Well, that's going to get me canceled. Also, Colossal Boy was never in a movie as bad as Ant-Man 3. Matt. and I don't know if you saw that, but my God.
1: No, Bob, I didn't. And I knew not to watch it because I knew it sucked. So I don't even know why I'm even trying to defend Giant Man here. Yeah, Colossal Boy is probably better, but still, it's better not to have these characters because it just adds more crap to the... Uh... From a narrative perspective.
0: <laughs> we'll make this a literary review. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. So I'm going to stake out the position here that we should. So the show calls Superboy Superman. And last season, I resisted that because it's Superboy who has adventures with the Legion, not Superman. And it was clearly just because of the uh, the lawsuit from the creators of Superman and Superboy that they were doing that. But in this season, it seems to me like we actually have Superman here from the present. Not Superboy, yeah. And so I would propose that we should call Superboy Superman, but at the same time, I don't think we should call Superman X Superman because he's clearly a child. And so I would propose we should refer to them as Superman and Superboy X. Would you agree <laughs> or disagree, Bob?
1: I, I I don't see Superman X as necessarily a boy. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see that he's so childish like I mean, literally he's just no he's more no there's there's a
0: better way to describe him he's just from the future he's confusing he's he's, he's so, like uh so you're saying that everybody in the future is emotionally immature that's what you're saying Yeah, that's that's, because that's your because
1: the technology like i was like i was saying with the damn phones bob the technology is just gonna like you know continue to so improve and we're just gonna be stuck in our own little like world and not have social so, skills
0: so what you're saying is that superboy x is the logical extension of two millennia of smartphones
1: Superboy X, yes, is the evolution. And fuck you for getting me to call him Superboy X. <laughs> I win.
0: <laughs> also, like literally, like we saw his parent robot last week last week. Like he's still a child. <laughs> Clearly, Superman is older than him. You can see my parent robots, Bob. That De- that you still live with and are still
1: being instructed by? I don't live with them. I don't know. Maybe in the future, rent's so high, like even like whatever
0: generation they are, they still can't move out of their parents' house.
1: The future is very bleak in the 41st century.
0: So what you're saying is that we see the effects of not only two millennia of smartphones on children's attention spans like Superboy X, but we see the effects of two millennia of biden inflation, Matt? Exactly, Bob. That's why he's still living with his parents,
1: his robot (laughs) parents, because they took all the jobs.
0: (laughs) Including, including reproducing. Yes, yes. You you take the uh, you take the South Park catchphrase and uh, you retool it to "They took our kids." Yeah, they yeah they did.
1: They took everything. Now just have people like Superboy X, who seems like a dick, but that's what
0: you get. Despite me thinking that Superboy X is a child, I did appreciate the maturity of his statement to Superman of "Thanks for the DNA." Yeah, put that shit on a Hallmark card and make bank on Father's Day, Bob. And then Matt, were you annoyed by Superman indirectly comparing Superboy X to Batman?
1: Yeah, and only because I couldn't for the life of me figure out who he was referring to, even though it was so obvious. <laughs> that I look at the notes, and I'm like, what is Bob talking about? I was like, oh, oh, that was Batman he was talking about. I can't think he was talking about Lex Luthor or somebody. Like I didn't know and I didn't put that much thought into it.
0: Yeah, Matt. If you if you didn't catch that, I feel like I'm going to have to speak to your parental robots. Something's going on, man. You
1: really do. You need to speak to my parental robots about my uh, my understanding and my uh, what's that word I asked you about the other day? Inference comprehension. <laughs> oh,
0: infer- inferential skills. Yes. Apparently,
1: I can't inference very well, and I probably should be teaching children how to inference if I can't catch on that it was Batman he was talking about. Not not to shame you, but
0: the verb is infer. Infer.
1: Infer it. See. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm not helping my case. It's not. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let me ask you this, Bob. And on, a
0: yeah, yeah hit here. me. Do you, uh, do you like the Superboy <laughs> X design itself? I would not say that I like it, but it does not bother or annoy me. It's just you know, it's just kind of there.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of how I am. I'm not like like I would not want to see this design as an extra outfit in a video game or anything, but it's okay for what it is. I just think they should have gone way out and done some crazy shit and made him, like, more alien since it's from the 41st century.
0: I'm kind of torn about Superboy X because he's similar enough to, like, Connor Kent Superboy that I'm a little annoyed that he's not just Connor Kent Superboy. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it is, like, he is so childish and annoying that, like... I would be a little annoyed if they wrote Connor Kent Superboy like this. So maybe it's fine that they're just you know having a new character do this. Basically, at one point they suggest naming him something,
1: and I couldn't really catch what it was, but it was stupid. Whatever it was, it's like we'll call the you Cal L or Kell or something weird, and I was like, no, don't do that. And then Superboy X uh, it gave me the Superboy X is like, I don't give a shit what you call me.
0: <laughs> it's like let's just get this over with. Oh yeah, with the double L, which is a little. A little redundant. <laughs> yeah, how does that make anything easier? This is Kal L. This is Superman. Okay, I, I get it, but it's Cal L versus Kel L. So it does. It sounds way similar, but there is something of a difference.
1: Yeah, it's it's it's
0: a and horrible then name the, that you su- something else. Yeah, and then, <laughs> then 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 Superboy is Con L. Yeah, K O N. Yeah, I also like calling him Superboy X because it makes me think of Malcolm X, which I just find <laughs> funny. Superboy X makes him sound way more badass
1: than he should be. But actually you adding the doesn't make it as badass. Superman X is way
0: worse is like way cooler sounding. That's that's one of the reasons I do it is yeah. to is to, belittle, is to belittle and shame him. This is super boy X, not Superman X, Matt. Speaking <laughs> of a character, Bob, who needs to be shamed. Yeah, Matt. So uh, Chameleon's dad is industrialist uh, Rene Jacques Brand or RJ Brand, who is a you know a, a billionaire, a trillionaire, whatever, whatever in terms of Biden inflation. But the trillionaire who bankrolls the Legion, which to be honest, is one of my least favorite aspects of the Legion mythos. So. Uh, yeah, we we have a nice little allusion to that.
1: Yeah, and uh, his son is is a Nepo baby, so we got that going.
0: Yeah, we can start calling him Nepo Chameleon. I think that rolls off the tongue. Nepo Chameleon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is yeah. so or, useless. Or maybe maybe <laughs> maybe Chameleon Nepo. It, since I I don't want to I don't want to gender him as Chameleon boy. Maybe just Chameleon Nepo. Maybe that's the ticket. Chameleon Nepo. I like that. Yeah, this is <laughs> how it's
1: different from Star Trek, Bob. We want to tie this into the other show. They're, they they still got money and stuff going on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't really like them. I don't, I don't really like there being Elon Musk in the future. I, I, I think all of them should have been guillotined by now. Yeah, or take a trip to the Titanic. Yes, yes, <laughs> in an in an un an unregulated submarine, we should uh, we should really deregulate all safety standards for the rich. That's the answer. Yeah,
1: guys, I, I don't. I hate to say this. I, I listening to the news of all this going on, I don't understand why anyone would step foot in that submersible.
0: Yeah, no, and it's also just obscene that we have to we have to hear about these morons. Constantly when like dozens of people drown in the Mediterranean every week trying to get into Europe. Like But these people were doing something interesting, Bob. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's good for news. And then I I can't remember what game system it is, but the dude is steering you. They had an Xbox controller. Steering. What if the Xbox Xbox controller just wasn't
1: charged, Bob? Maybe that's why it stopped working.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Horrible! Horrible.
1: it's it's just something that gets
0: me like do you see one of the uh one of the guy's sons went to a bleak 182 concert anyway
1: yeah if his son's not that concerned either it's probably okay (laughs) (laughs) he wouldn't enjoy that concert that's the part that people don't get in the news either like if he went he was probably enjoying it like he wasn't like he went and just sat there and moped about his dad like I, i so
0: yeah he obviously wasn't that concerned his dad probably <laughs> did stupid shit all the time. They get back on course. Uh, we didn't see uh, Superboy X's kryptonite heat vision last episode, right? No, but it was pretty badass, though. That's that's a nice little evolution. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm as enthusiastic as you, but it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool. All right. Any other observations about the episode before we pick our favorite non Superboy Legionnaire, Matt?
1: Not really, Bob, but my, my my favorite non-Superboy Legionnaire this time around was Bouncing Boy. We didn't mention him much, but nope. it's just so sweet how supportive he is of Duo Damsel, formerly known as Triplica Girl, since she lost her,
0: her third part. Yeah, and w- we lost the uh, one-third of Triplica Girl that liked Bouncing Boy, so, you know, it's just well, a that, tricky and situation. And that's
1: where the confusion is, Bob, because that one comic made it like that, but then the show doesn't seem to do that, so I'm kind of... Uh,
0: I think it's... We'll see if it contradicts it later, but I feel like subtext is not the right word but on a subtextual level it's still sort of going with that that the dead one is the one that liked him it's still sort of i think implied in the i guess subtext. that's what
1: bouncing boy asks like what
0: happened to your third or like your third yeah whatever yeah specifically so uh my favorite non-superboy legionnaire is matter eater lad we get to see him take a bite out of the emerald eye of ekron it was great and then we get to see him get the emerald eyes of madness as the energy courses through him i really enjoyed it matter Lad looks insane probably should not have eaten that. You don't need magic things. I don't. I don't know if the Emerald Eye is magic or not because I think it's like somewhat related to the Green Lantern core. I don't. I don't know. It's not, not magic, Bob. Sure. Okay, Bob. Green Lantern core. Well, functionally, little, functionally, yes, it's magic. Okay, I'm just saying, yes, like, thank in, you. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 right in that sense, Matt. You're it's right. It's like
1: Sci-Fi sense. magic. It's like the cool magic, not the sh- yeah, yeah.
0: Not the annoying magic that I don't like most of the time. Obviously, the Green Lantern Corps is the most childish form of future technology in science fiction. It basically is Aladdin's magic lamp, like granted on your finger, on your finger, on your finger. All right, shall we uh, jump over to Strange New Worlds, Matt? Sure, Bob. So in the a plot of ad astra per aspera, I think I said that correctly. Yes, more or less. Well, and actually, Matt, it's Latin, so we're no- nobody's entirely sure how people said it. So you're you're fine. Uh- so I, so I might not need to roll the R is what you're saying. You know, no one speaks Latin as a living language. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, no one no one can really correct your pronunciation on it. I will
1: to tell say. you this. Did I ever tell you the story about the guy who was teaching Latin at a middle school and the administrator came in to observe him and he was he put on the uh, on the evaluation that none of the students were speaking Latin.
0: <laughs> they were just oh, That's it. sick. That's sick. <laughs>
1: And then the teacher had to go have a sit down with the administrator. <laughs> so sick. <laughs> He's so like, sick. Uh, listen, man, this uh, <laughs> is a dead language. We, they don't speak it. All right. Back on subject. Okay. In the A-plot, Bob, the court-martial of number one for lying about her genetic modifications for her being prosecuted by Pike's ex-Patel and defended by Illyrian civil rights lawyer Nira Kato.
0: That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You nailed it, Matt. You're just pronouncing like a motherfucker. This yeah, week. these
1: names are incredible. I just have to, I'm having to learn how to pronounce things better. Which yeah, comes they're to more Noon-
0: like. sing Singh. They're more like <laughs> Star Wars names than uh, Star Trek
1: names. So. They are. I think they have a generator or an AI is producing them. Oh, man, we're already
0: to the A.I. written Star Trek. Well, I'm I guess not, prodig- I'm not
1: lying. I think that they yeah. really are like just like putting like, what should I call this? And they come up with a list of names and that they're generated by A.I. And i like, OK, that one sounds good.
0: <laughs> All right. So in the B plot, uh, and Singh wonders if she or another crew member was responsible for turning in number one. Which,
1: OK, that B plot, Bob, confused me just a little bit because I could not remember if in season one we actually knew who turned who in. We we didn't. Yeah, I, I know. It, it took me a minute, but I was like, I, I
0: kept thinking about it, Like, I thought I knew who turned her in, but then I'm like, no, I don't. I, I had forgotten that Noonie and Singh learned about it in season yeah. one. And yeah, and that, that, yeah that, that, that's where the
1: confusion yeah. was. I, yeah, I knew that part. I knew she knew about it, but I could remember if she had said
0: something. Yeah. So I, I will say speaking, just since we're on the personal log thing, man, do the personal logs not come across as pretty like dystopian? in this with like starfleet like maybe monitoring your personal logs it just feels very creepy
1: yeah nobody keeps up with shit like that anymore but uh but then i thought about it and i was like okay social media has become our personal logs and our journals or our diaries it's kind of replaced that whole reflective journaling piece that the logs
0: do in star trek most people today i agree with you that functionally social media is the same and it is it is you know obviously like in the name it's public yeah but i still think there are a few things that you wouldn't say on social media that you would say in a personal log that oh i agree but i'm just saying for, for
1: most people though like in general i don't think people keep journals and diaries private i think most of the time it's like i'm eating tacos here i am you know it's just like went with my kid or whatever you don't see a lot of like just personal reflection necessarily that's true that's that's true yeah
0: Yeah. um another kind of little like minor kind of dystopian point of of this episode is that it's interesting that the Federation still has exile as a punishment and it still has sedition uh, as a something on the books. Although in fairness, I guess sedition might only apply to Starfleet personnel. It might not apply to average Federation citizens. That is true. And I was just amazed that they still had books, Bob it's an expression god damn it
1: no, 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 not even that i know bob i took what
0: you did and I ran with it cuz they, they yes, yes. the uh, lawyer does pull out a giant ass book and, <laughs> with, and with the and, law and make the vulcan read from it i'm sure you're i'm sure your administrator would have been very proud of her that that was good pedagogy
1: yeah, yeah i i mean i did she shouldn't like hand
0: him an ipad so he could like search for the, uh, the the law they had to actually look it up in the book Okay, so we've gotten pretty far ahead, but to to kind of begin back at the beginning, I will say that uh, Pike struggling in the atmosphere on the Illyrian colony world was pretty funny. I felt kind of bad for him because everybody's looking at him like a freak, and I felt like there was some kind of a
1: a mask thing going on there about <laughs> wearing, <laughs> wearing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Did you get that kind of commentary from that? A little bit, but it since it was sort of being played for laughs. And since there was like no like there was no reason the Illyrians should have been wearing masks, it it didn't feel like as self righteous as some some uses of the, like masking and, and media are, you know. But but that's why it was a commentary, Bob. We shouldn't be wearing masks. <laughs> oh no, I, I I agree, Matt. I agree. I am anti mask.
1: Damn, Bob.
0: I, you I remember. I remember explaining to one clerk uh, who was commenting that I didn't have a very effective mask. And it was like, yeah, that's that's why I'm wearing it. If I could wear something <laughs> less effective, I would wear that. Did I
1: have a hole in it?
0: <laughs> no, it was just like a it was just like a, a kind of cloth mask that, you know, oh. do, you know, d- doesn't create a very good seal or whatever. You're walking around uh, like Pike, Bob. People yeah, at yeah. you like a freak. Yeah, no, I just explained. It's like, yeah, no, I know it's not effective. I wish was I was this get in 2020
1: or like 2023.
0: Um, We're not doing it out here anymore, although oh, a lot okay. of people still are. Nobody I don't think anybody can require it as of like May. Yeah, uh, because okay. the governor like changed it. Could have been 2020 or 2021. You know, time's a flat circle. Time is of yeah. the present, Bob. That's all that exists. <laughs> there is no
1: past. There's no future. There's only now.
0: So I, I guess I didn't put this in the notes, Matt, but it, this was something that I saw coming up on, on the online reaction a little. So I thought I'd pose it to you. Um, did you get the sense that, like, maybe dating is too strong a term, but did you get the sense that, like, Pike and Battelle are, you know, still occasionally swapping spit in this episode? Oh, yeah. Friends with benefits. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Does that uh does that? Does the fact that you got that from the episode, does that bother you? Are you kind of like, what the hell is, uh, what the hell is wrong with Pike? Why is he still seeing this awful woman? I can see where she's coming from with a lot of her stuff. Yeah. She's not great,
1: but at the same time, she's like, she's got to do her job. So I I, I kind of understand her point of perspective. Yeah. Maybe you disagree, but I just like, I, I get her, I get why she's there. I get her perspective and I get, she wants to try to separate her personal and her professional life it's not easy to do, especially when you're trying to, you know, be friends with benefits with a, with a starship captain. But then again, she's only around Starfleet people all the time. So, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, mean, she doesn't have much of an option.
0: I mean, in a way, this is a bad example for me because I I've long thought the Starfleet ban on genetic modification was stupid. Um, oh, like it I, is it's I,
1: extremely stupid. I don't I have no argument
0: there, but I get why she's doing her job. Like yeah, that's, yeah. But it, it's also it's also just a little weird. And I don't want to rag on this episode because actually I actually really admired a couple of things this episode did. I thought it was very clever, but it's it's a little weird because it's like she's a starship captain too, which is not clear this season, but like was clear like in the Strange New World premiere last year. And it's like, why is she the one doing this? Like, especially given her personal relationship to Pike. Like, is there no one else? See, I missed out on that. I didn't realize she was a captain of a starship. I thought she was like, that was her job. Like, so why is she involved? Well, there's the old star Trek tradition of like having the captains and the first officers be lawyers, right? Like you think back to like measure of a man where like, Riker, I think yeah. Riker's the prosecution and Picard is the defense. Or so you think to that, episode on Voyager that's really good where a Q is trying to uh, get, you know, voluntary uh, suicide. And if I remember right, Janeway's the judge for that. Okay. So there's a long tradition of doing that in Star Trek. And I think that's maybe even somewhat based in military practice, but it's still like, I don't know, it's just a little weird. It's like, that Like, is there no one without a personal stake in this case? You yeah, know, that like, would make more
1: sense. Like, I don't get
0: that. Yeah, I, I didn't put that. Down. I just thought that was her, like, job. She was like the. the yeah, she, she's. Yeah, she's she's part of, like, Starfleet JAG or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a totally reasonable thing to think. Just based off the last two episodes, you'd, you'd have to remember back to season one, the season one premiere to remember that she's like a starship captain, too. OK. Yeah. All I remember is her being with
1: Pike. Me being like, oh, wow, yeah, Pike's got a girlfriend who's in Starfleet.
0: Yeah, I, yeah our, friend with benefits. our friend with benefits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say the uh, Pike remaining friends with benefits with her left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth, but I did enjoy her giving him a hard time, especially that line I know how much you hate to give long, inspiring speeches. It was not as uh, good
1: as Ortegas, Bub. Yeah, she had, yeah, she had the best line this whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, her her complaining to Mabinga about uh the Vulcan Bros was so funny. I, that was a great
1: scene. Yeah, this is like really the only scene Ortega shines in in this episode. I mean, like it's the only episode, only she's in like the background of some of the other scenes, but this one was like the only time she actually speaks,
0: and it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, like, and from and the it's the awesome. best lines. They they really do, and it's also just a good example of why this is a better show than uh, Picard and Discovery is that they manage to work in like a funny small scene for most of the cast in most episodes. You know,
1: yeah. And the other thing is too, you see that Ortega's and Mbinga are hanging out. Like you're like, okay, yeah. cool. They, you they know, they're, they're friends they're off, off duty as well. Or, you know, in the yeah. 10 forward. I did also yeah. enjoy the scene too, where Spock comes over to apologize for his outburst when it really wasn't an outburst, you know, it was.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah. And then like or- Ortega's, especially, but M- 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 being to an extent too, like trying not to lose it with laughter when he does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So in the trial, uh, we get to see more of Bob April than we ever have before. Um, you know, he's been around the whole show, but we get to see more of him on screen. And, and he's black, Bob. Yeah, he is black, Matt. I mean, I'm, I'm I know many, many listeners are very, very offended by this well-established character uh, being race swapped.
1: Yeah. And they, need, and they need to shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you if you if you are. Offended-
1: Bob April is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Bob April's great and if you're offended by that you're a moron. Yeah. Um, but um yeah, he he really does get chewed up by uh by Kitol, uh number 1's defense attorney. That was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, and all that shit he did wrong, Bob. Don't worry folks because you can read about it in the next trilogy of novels, Star Trek the April Saga. <laughs> I, hey, I will read a Bob
0: April novel.
1: Sorry, it's gonna and, be, sorry. Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. The April saga. we gonna get Strange New Worlds on there. So you yeah, you need two.
0: You need two colons. That's how you know yeah. a novel <laughs> is good. Is that it has two colons in the title? Um, I, I I will disagree with you slightly. I don't think he did anything wrong. I think he just did you know Starship Captain Enterprise Captain stuff and violated the Prime Directive because it was the right thing to do. Are we?
1: Are they breaking the Prime Directive? Are they not? Is the Prime Directive necessary? Is it not necessary? What? Does the captain have some leniency with it?
0: You know, yeah. Most yeah. of the
1: captains we've seen. Yes, they obviously have. I mean, didn't Janeway <laughs> took the prime directive and like tore it up, right?
0: Well, I mean, I think literally every, except for interestingly, I don't really think you can say the discovery captains like Burnham and Saru uh, have violated the prime directive. Yeah, that's because Burnham screwed up everything before she became a captain. Yes. Yes. <laughs> When you, you know, start a whole war, Bob, you can only go, you know, up. But yeah, I, I, it'd be interesting to look at the numbers on it. But I mean, my sense is that Kirk, Picard, Cisco, Janeway, um, Bakula, Archer, that's his name, Archer and Pike and April have all violated the Prime Directive dozens of times. You mean Holodeck Archer? So are are you telling me you're you're one of those who have a theory that Um, The whole Enterprise show is just like Riker's holodeck recreation and therefore not canon. It's like it'd be like watching Gladiator and saying, oh, that's how the Roman Empire really was. That's AI generated. Man, that's uh, that Enterprise finale already predicting AI. uh, That's why it all uh, all
1: makes sense because the AI just took random shit from the future and put it in the past to make it seem like, like that one episode with the Borg. (laughs) the one that pissed everybody off and the the random ass explaining of the Klingon
0: you know hit hit things that was terrible and unnecessary although I will I would rather Enterprise not have done the Borg episode but it actually they actually didn't make it make sense for the first contact
1: oh yeah I mean they did it just was like yeah
0: unnecessary (laughs) and that's the other that's the other thing the interesting thing about the ambiguity of Enterprise is on the one hand you could argue that It's just all Riker's holodeck recreation because of what you see in the finale, and so therefore it shouldn't necessarily be taken literally. You can also argue that it only reflects the timeline after the tampering from First Contact, and therefore the timeline that the original series, Next Gen, DS9, and Voyager came out of actually might have been very different. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's it's wild stuff. It's wild stuff. (laughs) which if you continue with it matt would mean that like discovery and strange new worlds as prequels are like you know they're more sequels to the enterprise and prequels to a new different version of the original series than they are prequels to the original original series if that makes sense
1: so to get higher ratings for enterprise you know they had to like switch over i don't know what season it was i'm assuming it was season three i think where they had to make it a little more uh, serialized you think Riker was like just really horny. Oh no no that no season. no no! dude the,
0: the the sexiness was there from the beginning. Dog oh. like the like they had the decontamination chamber. Oh yeah
1: yeah yeah, and, that's right. I, I was yeah yeah. So see this this just makes more sense for it being Riker's thing.
0: <laughs> Riker I'm just saying, develop. like, yeah, it's got dirty stuff in it that you don't really usually see in Star Trek. The guy who was somewhat of a pervert and arguably somewhat of a sexual harasser who ran uh, Star Trek after Roddenberry died, Rick Berman, that is kind of funny to make like Riker the, uh, the kind of narrative, the narrative version of Rick Berman as the holodeck producer of Star Trek Enterprise. One thing that was kind of interesting, so like number one's testimony, right? Right. She. She talks about like there being a schoolyard fight that like results in broken limbs. And w- was I reading this right? Cause it kind of made it sound like in the 23rd century, schoolyard kids are always breaking each other's limbs. And just because of the advanced medical technology, it's no big <laughs> deal.
1: I mean, I tell you now in the 21st century, yes, kids do break each other's limbs, but it's kind of rare.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kid, I mean, the kid has happens. to know what they're
1: doing. It usually has to be very intentional. I mean, you have to. So I. I I don't know. I, I, I don't
0: think that they, I would think they would be calmer. Like they wouldn't do shit like that. I, I just, I just, that. I just, like the idea that it's like a, you know, all WWE style uh, moves in the schoolyard fights in the 23rd century. They're going for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, we didn't have, we didn't see any of that shit on enterprise D with all those kids. <laughs> Well, thankfully, uh, thankfully, those kids on Enterprise D uh, mostly abided by the principle from Arrested Development of Children should be neither seen nor heard. Exactly. (laughs) No, I'm
1: just kidding. What about about the ones on DS9,
0: though? Didn't they? They got in fights, I think, sometimes, maybe. I I don't remember fights. They they got into, you know, scraps, I guess, or like escapades, I guess, or Uh, however you would say it. Hijinks. (laughs) <laughs> Hi That's the be- that's the better word. Well, and there was that whole series of book books about Jake and Nog that were for like kids that I I, I think I only read one of them, so I can't really tell you how much fighting was going on. They're all walking around with broken bones. They've been like yeah, magic,
1: <laughs> tricordered back to whatever they need to be, <laughs> bio gelled whatever whatever shit they
0: use. So I, one of the things I I do have to say about this episode, I was saying I kind of admired the writing, so. Like I was enjoying the episode, although I thought there was a, a little bit of grandstanding uh, from the Ketol character, and but it was interesting. Of you think she's just making kind of like hysterical, emotional, moral points like all over the place, and it just seems like you know she's just grasping at whatever she can. But then in this kind of the summation, it like comes back around, and you see, no, no, she. She had a point. She was seeding this the entire time. And uh, I thought I thought it was like very, very effective. And it was also just very clever in that the resolution was both uh, giving Starfleet a a legal way to cover themselves, but also feel good that, oh, we made the moral choice.
1: Yeah, she, she tries to make both sides benefit from them deciding to keep, you know, UNA and Starfleet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like an interesting solution to a a narrative problem that this episode has, too, which is the sense that like we don't want to get rid of Una uh, or number one as a character. Right. But also we know that the Starfleet policy and the Federation policies against genetic modification are still in place in Deep Space Nine, because like we see Bashir's parents go to jail for them. Yeah or his father specifically. And so it's kind of inter- it's it was a kind of elegant narrative solution to what was kind of a thorny problem of they're going to treat this ban on genetic modifications as like you know a great affront to civil liberties, which arguably it is. I think I think it is a bad policy. I think whether or not it's a huge affront to civil liberties another question, but yeah, so they're going to treat it as very bad, but it's also something that's going to continue for a hundred years, and so they had a nice little solution of Katol giving Starfleet an out, to, so number one could continue, but so the the policy continues as well. Yes, she has been granted asylum. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I I will say though the. The rhetoric from the admirals about, oh, well, I guess we need to teach, uh, we need to treat, uh, you know, genetically modified people differently, like, you know, based on their circumstances, it was like, uh, I don't know if that's the lesson to be taken away. Like, you know, like equal treatment's usually a good thing. I mean, obviously there's some (laughs) circumstances, but equality before the law is usually a good thing just because number one's a great person uh, doesn't mean other people don't have rights to even though they're genetically modified.
1: I mean, she's born that way, correct? Right? Their genetic modifications take place in yeah. birth. Okay, so it's not. Well, they I took mean, they like, took, they begin in the womb. Yeah, begin in yeah. the yeah. womb. Yeah, so yeah. they don't really have a choice. Yeah, yeah. They can't join Surfleet because then they're an advantage to those who were not genetically modified. I get that part. Okay, but then again, you would kind of want those
0: people on your starship. <laughs> so well. It's kind of interesting because it seems like there's two reasons for it. It seems like there's it seems like Starfleet and the Federation have like a kind of like cult of meritocracy, right? Yeah that the genetic modifications kind of violate. But it also seems like there is, you know, such deep fear of repeating Khan and repeating the eugenics wars that there's also that grant. So it kind of seems like there's two different sets of grounds for it. You would think in the future they'll find a way to make sure that everyone can have a chance to be in Starfleet somehow, you know, without prejudice. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 also interesting that it's like they they choose to kind of present the genetic modification for the Illyrians as like a cultural practice, which is. Kind of, which is you know pretty different than how it was presented in DS9, where it's just Bashir's parents want to give him a leg up, and you know were a- afraid that he was going to have some developmental disabilities otherwise. Right. So they yeah you know, they alter his genetics, and that's why he's like super smart. Which yeah. I mean, he was
1: like head of his class in Starfleet. Which I guess I mean, but or was he hit or
0: second? I can't remember. He was, he was second cuz famously episode, yeah. yeah, famously there's some chick who uh who who beats him out. So that's also kind of interesting cuz it shows that like genetic modifications are not like an, a guarantee, a guaranteed win, you know, unless she was unless she was also covertly genetically modified. Canon Bob, she's got to be Una's granddaughter or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody write that book.
1: <laughs> All right, Matt. You can Who put it you know, on the cover. See, I just sold it for you.
0: <laughs> Who does your character?
1: character was whatever her name was? Number one? No, 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 no. The, uh, the oh, character. Bashir's of the ri- Bashir's rival. Bashir. Yeah, the valedictorian of Starfleet for whatever year Bashir graduated. I think we see
0: her on screen, but I'm not totally sure if we do. We do. It they might... meet up in the. They meet up okay. the bore. I kind of, I kind of had the image that it might just eternally be like. Characters talking about the meeting, and then like we see Bashir like after the meetings. I thought that might be a funny way to do it, but we never actually oh, see maybe. the meetings. Now you got no, me I, questioning it, Bob. Damn it! I think no, I I think you're right, and I'm wrong. But i, it, 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 I remember
1: seeing her, but
0: I, there's no telling. Yeah, I, I I think I think you're right, but it it would be funny if it were my way.
1: Yes, Bob, I agree. If if you wrote the show in 1993 or whatever, you would have. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes, Matt. If, if at nine years old, Bob, you would have written the show. <laughs> hey, man, Jim Jim Shooter wrote The Legion of Superheroes at like age 12. So, you know.
1: Yeah, Bob, you could write that episode of Star Trek at nine and be pretty badass. You got it.
0: <laughs> All right, Matt. So who is your character of the week uh, for both shows this week? Although in practice, it's usually going to be for Strange New Worlds. <laughs> character of the week, Bob,
1: I'm giving it to you, Hurrah. And it's for her not breaking protocol and properly telling someone, no, I can't do it. Which she tells and Singh, which I thought was a badass on her part.
0: Good, 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 good on her. Good on her. Um, I'll give it uh, to Pike, uh, specifically not for staying uh, friends with benefits with Patel. That's a little suspect. But for properly observing the bro code by once number one gets acquitted, he hugs her, then he hits her. That's how you do it. <laughs> bro code.
1: After watching that, that scene, I'm like, hmm, I need to have like a moment like this with like a coworker at some point. Just be like, glad you're here. And then punch him. See <laughs> where it gets me. Okay.
0: All right, Matt. What was your episode of the week? Bob, it was at Astra Per <laughs> Oh, mean, shocking, shocking.
1: Somehow somehow, I wound up in the same place, Matt. Somehow, once again, somehow. I'm going to say this, Bob, to the listeners. Man from the Edge of Tomorrow Part 2. To me, is light years ahead of a lot of the season one episodes. It's not. It, there's just it's just more interesting to me. But I needed I, all that knowledge of the characters from season one. Oh, that's so, a, that's an
0: interesting way to put it. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, so I, I didn't enjoy season one as much. I mean, it was fun. But it wasn't like anything I'm like, oh, God, I got to watch Legion season two. But now I'm watching this and I'm like, OK, part one and part two, they really switched up this the way they're doing this. And it feels different. Now, you told me this is a two. This is a two parter. And you told me that, yeah, yeah. it's getting more episodic. But I'm hoping I can <laughs> kind of keep leaning in that. direction. Yeah, we still have the driving Imperia X plot, though. So, yeah, yeah, this is much <laughs> more structured like Young Justice, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. A little bit. (laughs) It's not gonna be it's not gonna be that structured, but it is certainly more structured than season one. Certainly. To me, I don't really have a strong preference. Like there's things I like about season one of Mm -hmm. Legion and things I like about season two, and I I think overall, I do prefer the tone of season one, but I think season two is kind of like apocalyptic, overarching story it does get you to some interesting places. So I, I can see virtues of both. And this might change in the next episode. I don't know. Episode three might suck. I don't know. But I, I honestly do I enjoyed the two-porter. Episode three is going to go back to the uh, season one. Format a bit. It's gonna be like a Timberwolf spotlight episode.
1: Uh well, okay, that might be okay because the Timberwolf solo
0: comic was one of my favorites, so maybe I'll enjoy it. But at least you worry for episode four will get us back to the kind of main Imperiax plot. And then episode f- I don't remember episode three or four uh very well, but uh episode five is awesome. Okay. Well, I'll hang in there, Bob. Hang in there, Matt. All right. Thanks uh, for hanging in with us, listeners. This has been Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We are on Candy Tracks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.